You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Welcome to Afternoon Cyber Tea, where we speak with some of the biggest security influencers about what is shaping the cyber landscape and what is top of mind for the C-suite and other key security decision makers. I'm Ann Johnson. And on today's episode of Afternoon Cyber Tea, we are going to cover a really fascinating topic at the intersection of cyber awareness and storytelling. I am joined by Tim Merck, who is an actor, producer, and co-founder of Flavor an applied gaming and storytelling company, and HackShield, a gamified cybersecurity learning experience for children. Tim is a creative, passionate about storytelling, gamification, and helping people turn themselves into problem solvers. Welcome to Afternoon Cyber Tea, Tim. I'm thrilled to have you on today. Thank you very much, and nice uh, to be here in the podcast. So you have this fascinating background as an actor and a producer, and now what I would say is a cybersecurity awareness advocate and working with children also. I was really excited to do this podcast because it's going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. So to get us started, can you tell us just a bit about your journey and what led you to co-founding Flavor and HackShield? Yeah, of course. Yeah. With pleasure. Yeah, for me, it's a very organic route. I started as an actor. I think I finished my school in 2006. I really like to tell stories and also use that stories to make people think, reflect, and maybe hopefully sometimes change something in society. And at some point I was very, yeah, I started to get very fascinated about new technologies and also about the potential interactive part of it. So I often give this example that I was I was trained by actors who were big stars in the Dutch theaters and television was not was not there yet so it's such a long time ago and when I left my school uh, the first iPhone was on the market so that 2006 7 in the Netherlands so I was I was really fascinated like the whole storytelling aspect didn't change but the um, media the channel you could use was completely different so there were like kids in the theater while i was playing there watching their phones Um, and some colleagues were frustrated because they thought hey you have to learn how to watch culture and theater and i thought hey why don't i integrate that phone in my storytelling so at some point i did um, a suggestion suggestion to my director i said what if i could app with my audience during the show and the director did nothing that was a very good idea but that was the start for me to to think hey i want to start experimenting more with new innovative ways of storytelling yeah and first i was mainly focused on interactive storytelling like interactive websites documentaries um, things like that and slowly my attention shifted to gamification because it's amazing. You you can really put your audience in the role of the main character. So you can have them live through a story and it has a lot of benefits because it's very immersive. They learn a lot. So this is what I've been working on for the last, I guess, 10 years. Yeah, I'm trying to use storytelling and gamification to, yeah, what you just said, create problem solvers. You know, I find 
flavor fascinating, right? And I frequently talk about how we need people to change the language of cybersecurity and change the methods of education if we actually want the average consumer, those who are younger, people who aren't cyber pros, right? If we want them to understand it, we actually need to change the industry fundamentally. And part of that is how we tell the story about cyber. So what's your perspective on storytelling as it relates to helping people specifically understand complex topics and then specific to cybersecurity? Good question. There are a lot of things that I can answer on this question. So at first, there's something very interesting in, in how we learn. So when I started HackShield, me and my colleagues, we were advised by a lot of, let's say, um, people with real knowledge about how people learn. Um, and they gave us a lot of advice. And I remember two big things. And one was how you create a security mindset. And if you want to create a security mindset, they told us you have to learn people adversarial thinking. So the simple explanation for me was learn to think as the bad guy. If you know what potential threats are, you could try to avoid them, of course. So the second thing was representational fluency. And it was also very inspiring for us because they said to us, hey, if you really want to change behavior and to learn something, you have to like rewire their brains meaning that you have to use all different parts of the brains to give them the tools to uh, see things differently. And there was an example. They used Pythagoras. I, I don't know how you pronounce it in English. You know, the, the triangle uh, professor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pythagoras, we say. So the thing was, if you want to learn a person what a triangle is, you want to not only give them the algebra version, but you also want to give examples like a pyramid is a triangle. And you also want to have that person come up with own experiences like triangles that that person know from his own environment and own experience. And if you learn how to connect those three areas in the brain, then you give the tool to easily and very fast make the connection. So for instance, when we learn a kid about fishing, then we always also use a character, we call it the fishing links, because it really visualizes the whole aspect of it. And we give concrete examples of fishing, and we ask kids to uh, come up with examples of their own. So it's really like trying to activate all different parts of the brain. So this was maybe the boring part of the fascination. And the other side is that we want to make people the heroes that solve the problem. And we don't want to see them as the potential victims or perpetrators, but our kids are the heroes that are really changing this situation. So we try to give them a sense of urgent and self-esteem and responsibility in society. So I hope this gives uh, an answer on your question. It does. And if you think about kids, and even though I'm not familiar with that concept, by the way, but if you think about kids and how they learn, it's fundamentally different than how adults learn, right? And we have to make things more creative for them and fun, right? Or they're going to check out. We can, we can force adults to a certain extent to sit through, you know, somewhat boring training courses. Kids will just check out. They'll mentally check out. They'll do something else. And they're digital natives now. Right. So they're used to everything being gamified. They've had devices in their hands since they could walk and talk. So it's fascinating to me that you're taking these concepts and actually making them tangible for children. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, you know, people are really amazing. They, they can learn to prevent danger 
by listening to experiences of other people that experienced danger. That's really amazing. So if somebody tells us a story about what they went through, then our brain is really like translating it to an own experience, everything to make sure that we prevent it from happening in to ourselves or in our lives. But nothing works better than putting somebody really in that situation and let them experience it themselves. And I think the cool thing about storytelling and especially gamification is that you can let a kid experiment with how it is to be a victim and how it is to be a perpetrator without having to deal with real life consequences. So it's like the most impactful way of learning. It's the most immersive way of learning. And to be honest, I don't think that's just for kids, but it's just the best way to learn. Yeah. And thank you for making that investment. You know, one of the concepts you talk about at Flavor is the hero center. Yeah. So I believe cybersecurity is a team sport. We all talk about that and everyone has a role to play and can be a hero in some way. Can you talk about this concept and how it plays a role in what you built at Flavor? Yeah. So I think how we do that at Hexshield is maybe the best example. So we train kids to become junior cyber agents. So we use a game for them to train and they have a lot of fictional characters that help them uh, with all the different subjects. But then we really stimulate them to transfer that knowledge towards their parents and grandparents or to their parents and grandparents and friends and classmates, etc. So it's not only the best way to remember something yourself if you are like stimulated to explain that what you learned to somebody else, but it's also a very nice way to motivate the culture and to uh, reach vulnerable target groups like their grandparents who we normally just don't reach about these subjects. So I think the cool thing about creating heroes is that you really make someone an ambassador about something instead of, yeah, trying to create only fear, because that's what happens a lot, of course, in society. Look out, our data is gone. Look out, cyber criminals are rising. Uh, everything is going to uh, uh, peep. <laughs> and this is really an, like a positive alternative. We say, hey, the internet is great. Of course, there are threats, but you can be the hero that solves that. Yeah, that's our uh, how we look at like hero-centered design, how we call it. And do you create in this experience, is there competition amongst the kids? Do they get positive recognition in the term of some type of badge or something that they, they're trying to achieve? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot of different ways because you have different player types, different people, different ways to value somebody. But you can really compare it to scouts. So it's like digital scouts. So every lesson they learn, they receive a shield. That's how we call it, but it's really a badge. And every shield has its own learning goals or competence. Thanks. <laughs> it's uh, every shield. Competency. Has its, yeah, exactly. So yeah, they get a lot of badges and, and the kids that like to collect things for them, it's very, um, very stimulating, but some kids need some level of competition. So there's also competitiveness. They can rise to the ranks and when they are high in their list of honor, we call it which is always connected to their municipality, the region that they live in, then we make sure that the parents of the players that are high in the list of honor get into contact with the local like police and the mayor, and then they get honored 
like in City Hall or the police goes to their class and celebrates them for being such a great and important junior cyber agent. So the whole rewarding part is not only in-game, but also on a community level, yeah, where the Dutch authorities really uh, play an important role. That's so cool. That is, I, I can imagine that it's really fun for the kids. And can we talk about Hack Shield specifically? So I know you've been talking about it a bit, but when you think about it, why did you focus on the cyber game for kids? And do you have collaboration with educational institutions and with government and those type of things? Or is this something that you're really doing all on your own? No, we, no, 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 no. We work with a lot of knowledge partners because... Yeah, we think we know how to make a game and we think how to activate a community, but we work with a lot of public and private partners. Every time that we have a new theme or subject, we are not the cyber experts. We work with cyber experts. We only help translating it. In the Netherlands, and I don't think how the rest of the world is if they are really up to date with digital literacy in the curriculum. But in the Netherlands, it's still not fixed. It's still not, the curriculum is still not up to date. So everything from learning what phishing is to how to make a password, but also what data is, uh, what the internet is, uh, cyberbullying, sexting, etc. All those cyber themes are not embedded or integrated in the curriculum at primary schools. So one of our biggest motivations is to constantly create new content about actual themes, important themes that the school system isn't providing in. And thereby we try to like close the knowledge gap. So our material is kids can play it on an individual level. Everything's for free, by the way, it's free of marketing also. So you can just play it online or download the app as a kid. But teachers can also use our lessons. We already developed eight of them and we are constantly adding new ones. And then our fictional characters give a guest lesson about an important theme. And that's played, it's used a lot. So a lot of the primary schools and teachers use our material to educate their and our kids. Yeah. That's absolutely fascinating. I don't think that there's broad curriculum in any part of the globe for children on cybersecurity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk about some of the experience that the kids are learning as they play and some of the skills that they're going to come away with? Yeah, of course. So yeah, a lot is about our whole game world is based on chess. So it's really trying to outsmart the other. And the other is always a character embodying a different theme. So we have the fishing links, we have the dark hacker, we have Kimmy Klepto who's addicted to data thievery. <laughs> we have the Richie, the money wolf, who's very... I, I like him. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun. He also has his own shop in our game world where he tries to sell them skins just like they do in Fortnite, etc. But then it's with fictional money. And then later on in the game, they have to resell their stuff and he pays them less. So the whole game is based on trying to let kids make all the mistakes that you want to prevent them from making in real life. So this is something that they experience in the game itself. But they also have to answer a lot of knowledge questions. They have to solve puzzles. They learn that everything you see online is potentially something somebody else can manipulate. So it's all data. It's all an illusion. It's all brought there with reason uh, by someone with a goal. <laughs> and that's the base. And then we have very theme-based lessons from disinformation, misinformation to sexting, 
to cyberbullying, to learning the consequences of being a hacker yourself. And we work closely together with a lot of different knowledge partners per theme. So if it's the Dutch police or it's an organization that works with a lot with victims from uh, sexting or cyberbullying, yeah, every theme has its own like a bunch of partners. That's really amazing. And I would imagine that people in business, right, are continually getting fished. They don't understand cybersecurity. Our training methods aren't effective. Thinking about your experience in educating children, what's your advice for business leaders and cyber advocates and others on how we can use storytelling to more effectively educate folks? Well, what I always find very difficult to understand is when I speak with scientists, researchers, uh, cyber experts, they often tell me that the only real way that's proven effective is if you scare someone. So imagine you know the programs and where uh, the employees get a mail, a phishing mail, and they have to like uh, click on it and then they get a mail back from the security program. Hey, you just clicked on a phishing mail. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Learn yeah. from it. Never yep. do it again. So on a short notice, of course, this is impactful. It's just like when my kids are stealing cookies from uh, from my kitchen and when I get very mad, they probably won't steal a cookie next day. But my idea is that in the long run, you are creating a distance from people being open for new knowledge or people being open to experiment in the online world and to learn the things they don't already learn from somebody else. So often I think that our way of teaching others using fear and only repeating what all the difficult and dangerous consequences potentially are in the online world, I think in the long run, you're creating people that are feeling distance and just like, I don't know, just stop learning at all. And at the same time, clicking on every link and <laughs> using every device. So the thing I learned most till now the last years from working with kids is that if you motivate them and you make them proud of what they already learn and you make them curious towards what kind of new tricks the hackers found out now and you give them a responsibility to share that knowledge with their colleagues and i think that's so much more effective than scaring uh, the hell out of, out of them yeah, I do too. By the way, we try not to sell fear with cybersecurity because yeah. what happens is you turn people off, right? Yeah, Over time, people just check out. They, yeah. they aren't interested. And you try to use the carrot versus the stick. I don't know if that translates as well as an expression. but Yeah, yeah um, it translates very well. I understand what you mean, yeah. But what we try to do is if someone fails that phishing test, we don't turn them off and we don't penalize them. We say, we send them training courses and said, hey, here's a few things that you, you could check out and you could learn, right? Yeah. We tried to incent them to modify their behavior. And one last thing I'll comment on is we talk a lot about the culture of cybersecurity. If your entirety of your organization has a culture of cybersecurity, it's easier to bring people along. Yeah, and I think that's an organization is just a metaphor for society. So I think this is just how it works in society. We have to create cybersecurity mindset in our whole society. And I'm totally with you, fear is not the best ingredient in creating that culture. Well, 
thank you so much for sharing and coming on and making the time. We always send our listeners off with one or two key takeaways and some inspiration and optimism for the future. So what is it about cyber that you are most optimistic about right now? I think that the digital future is amazing. It's full of opportunities. They are endless. The only thing we really have to make sure is that everybody has an equal chance to safely benefit from all those opportunities. I think in the end, it's all about if everybody has an equal opportunity. And maybe if people are better educated and they have more equal opportunities, then the whole criminal part is also less interesting (laughs) for people. I agree. And I think the work that you are doing is just really, really incredibly impactful because you're getting folks early. You're training them on cybersecurity early. So this next generation, as they come into the workforce, they'll have a baseline of knowledge, right? So thank you for everything that you are doing. And thank you again for taking the time to join me today. Thanks, Anne. Thank you very much. And many thanks to our audience for listening. Join us next time on Afternoon Cyber Tea. I invited Tim Burke to join me because he has this fascinating work that he does in educating children through a gamified experience and broader society, by the way, on cybersecurity. And it's something that makes cyber really consumable for your non-cyber professionals. And it was a great conversation, and I know the audience will just really enjoy it. This week on the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Podcast, we're talking scumbots with Paul Melson. Believe me, you're going to want to hear this. Be sure to listen in and follow us at msthreatintelpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.